Football has been missed by us all, and it returns in a world that only accentuates its importance as a vehicle for the best of human nature. For this reason, equality in all its form is central to the mission of the PFA. My background is South Sudanese. You know, I was born in, in Kenya, Nairobi, and me and my family moved to Australia in 2003. So I was about six years old. The reason for that was just my parents thought it would be a better fit for us and we had more opportunities uh, abroad. And I think yeah, it, was, it was a good decision and it paid off. Thomas Deng is an emerging defender who at 23 is already somewhat of a household name in football who burst onto the scene with Melbourne Victory as a teenager. Firmly in the Socceroos frame and now plying his trade in the J-League, he finds himself in an exciting moment of his career. Tom's journey as a migrant to Australia is yet another beautiful success story and an example of how football's ethnic roots sets it apart from any other code in the country. Well, yeah, we, we lived in like an, uh, an apartment in Nairobi. My father at the time was was a doctor so he was working with the saving the children so he was always traveling and and, and away so mostly it was my, my mom that looked after me and my siblings i got three older brothers and an older sister as well so i'm the youngest of the crew <laughs> i think yeah li- living there was a good experience for me and i wouldn't change it looking back now you know i can tell my kids what i've what i've been through and the experiences that i've had i don't remember too much of kenya but I remember like playing on the streets all the time with my with my brothers and you know chasing around chasing them around and going wherever they're going playing football on the streets all my brothers and you know my my cousins and stuff and friends they all played football so you know we we always had uh, that rivalry and competitive nature in us and I think it just flowed through um until now it's something that I've always wanted to do and uh, I'm happy that I've achieved that football's inclusive nature is so critical to building friendships and breaking down racial barriers, something that never gets lost on Tom. For me and my brother Peter, it was, it was very vital. We came in, uh, we went to school over here and I think it, football helped in a way like to, to make friends and, and also like in the, in the club environment, you felt like you, 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 know, you had a family and they, yeah, they made you fit in. And it, it didn't matter where you're from or what skin colour you had. Is it's just based on the love of football. If you look at Melbourne, especially, it's a very uh, multicultural place and very diverse. There's so many people from uh, different backgrounds. Sports is very important. Yeah, it can unite a lot of communities, and I think it's a it's a way to come together. But there's an ugly side to society. Tensions are pretty high at the moment after a number of different racial incidents in football in Europe. We've seen Manchester City star Raheem Sterling subjected to racial abuse, and locally, there have been some truly disgusting depictions of vilification. The most high-profile one centred around Sydney Swans AFL player Adam Goods. Tom's stance is firm, and it's all built around a glaring problem, education. It's disappointing, you know, we're, we're now in 2020, and the fact that people are, are still, you know, judging others by the colour of their skin without getting to know, you know, who they are and their culture and, you know, their identity. And that comes down to education as well. So I remember when I was coming over here, I was watching uh, Adam Goods' uh, docker. He was talking about that young girl that um, that said some harsh things at the, at the AFL. And, and he pleaded to speak to the family and to, you know, 
to speak to her and educate her and, and, and tell her tell her about the Aboriginal culture and, and things like that. But it just seemed like the family didn't want any of that. They didn't want to, to listen to him at all. So at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, who's, who's open-minded and willing to broaden their mind and to look into people's culture and really get to know them. Football, like all sport, is about inclusion. And the PFA has been deeply inspired by such movements, including Black Lives Matter and Indigenous Lives Matter, particularly the incredibly strong role that the athletes and sporting bodies have played in encouraging and embedding real social change across the world. I commend them, you know, for standing up for what's right. We've had a number, a number of uh, Premier League clubs and players that have, that have stood up and, and, you know, because this, these issues do exist. And I think using their platform, you know, they can reach a lot of people around the world. And I think the more that it's known, um, the more people will look into it and, and really understand what's happening. Yeah, for me, it's, I think it's important to keep continuing it and also for people to point out um, when, when someone does do something wrong and, and not just shy away from it like we've been doing in the future, uh, like in recent times. So moving into the future, I think it's, I think it's, it's important to, um, for people to stand up for what's right. Everyone knows what's right and wrong. And I think if we we just got to keep pointing it out and hopefully stamp it out slowly and just continue this process. I'm Alirix Toby. I'm 26. I was born in Brisbane, grew up in Ipswich. My parents um, grew up in North Queensland, um, a little country town called Mount Morgan, which is about 30 minutes outside of Rockhampton. I grew up in Ipswich all my life and I've been around football ever since the day I was born pretty much. Um, it's been a pretty strong trait in my family. My dad used to play and both of his parents used to play and they actually founded the first football club in Mount Morgan, funnily enough, which I only found out I think a few months ago, which is pretty amazing. So it's always been in my life and in my family. So you know, when I was growing up, my dad would play and I would be at his games running around in my nappies and, you know, just wanting to kick the ball. So for me, it's always been, um, it's always been a part of my life and, and it is still to this day very much so in a big way. When you start chatting football with Brisbane Raw forward Alira Toby, you instantly get touched by her extreme love and passion for football. It's palpable. It's kind of nice to be like, you know, I can look back at that and then look to where I am now and say, you know, I'm doing my family proud. I'm doing my grandparents proud and, and definitely my dad. And, you know, he's always at my games with my entire family and they, they've always been my number one supporters. But I think for me, it was, it was all about making my family proud and doing something that I, I've loved from being a kid at such a young age and, and, you know, giving back to my community and, and showing, kids that it doesn't matter how you grow up or where you grow up or what your circumstances are you can always do it and if it's something you really want to do then it's never too far out of your reach. An Indigenous Australian, Alira counts herself very fortunate not to be subjected to racial abuse as a child growing up but she's not immune to it. Like many she's had to suffer through this experience through someone very close to her. You know, I was actually quite lucky growing up and going through school. I never really copped a lot of the racist comments or the bullying 
but I know that, you know, my parents, when they were growing up, they definitely copped it a lot. And, you know, I've heard stories about what they had to go through and back in the day. And, and for me, I was lucky enough to never go through that. Though I have a little nephew and he's 13. He's obviously in school. And he, a few years ago, was actually bullied really badly to the point where he, he didn't want to go to school. Um, he wouldn't talk to us about why he wouldn't be at school, but he would just come up with every reason under the sun. And, and that really traumatized him. And he had to, you know, talk to a psychologist about going to high school and learning how to deal with that because it was so bad in primary school that he, he physically didn't want to be at school anymore because he was like, I don't want to be bullied again. I don't want to be called all of these names and not really understand what they mean or why they're calling me that. So, you know, we I've had to deal with it in the sense of in my nephew being bullied and for me that was that was really hard to deal with because, you know, I love him. He's, he's like he's the best little thing in my life. So for me I was like that's that's tough for me to see and have to hear that he, he's gone through all of this stuff and, and that was only a few years ago and it still happens to this day. How does that make you feel as someone who actually is a, a professional sports athlete to see people subjected to this in a in a more public environment? Uh, it kind of leaves me speechless, you know. I don't I don't really understand and I don't see how the colour of your skin or your background affects how you play a sport. They're there for a reason and you know, people that make those comments and and think that that's okay to especially club or people that they would normally support but then because they're a a player of color it changes it and I don't know I just I I I don't know it just it's mind-boggling because I don't I don't understand how people think that that that's okay and how they think that their comments don't affect affect people when they're subjected to it on a regular basis. It's a question loaded with so much complexity, when in reality, it shouldn't be. But you can't change thousands of years of oppression and bigotry. How do we engineer widespread change? How do we stamp out racism? For me, I think where I find the biggest problem is that people are are talking without really actually knowing. And for me, I think it goes back to if people are educated properly and have the right platforms to be educated on our history and it not just be a, you know, a, a short sort of history and it actually go in depth, then I think that'll help. I think a lot of people speak out of out of what they hear and what they have heard in the past and what they think actually happened. So I know I think it's people need to be educated and it needs to be done properly and I think that starts all the way back when kids are in school and and then following that through because when I was in school I never really got educated on Indigenous past and Australia's history in general. So for me I think that's where a lot of the, the fall down is is the education and people actually understanding all of this stuff and not just saying, oh well this is what we hear and and this is what we see. So actually this is the right way and it's usually completely wrong. Alira is certainly doing her bit. In fact, she's an inspiration, humble and perhaps even more passionate about the work with her Indigenous communities than her football. Yes, I used to work at a high school and I was the CEC, which is a community education counsellor for the Indigenous cohort at the high school. 
And that role was pretty much, I was the link between our community and the Indigenous cohort and the school, um, which was which was challenging but so exciting. It's something I've never really done before, but I'm so passionate about um, working in Indigenous education and working with um, our younger generation in order to be like, you need to be here, this is what you can do. Um, so for me, it was it was a really good opportunity and, you know, I worked with so many young students and, you know, a lot of grade 12s that were just graduating and I'd never really thought they would be there or a lot of them were, you know, maybe the first of the family to, to do it and, you know, I got to help with that. I would help them with their schoolwork and their assessment and I would obviously speak to their families and, and you know, touch base with them to make sure that everything was all okay. Um, so, yeah, it was – it's something that I – plan on going back to post-football and um, for me it's it's important that I give back to my community once I'm done with football and even while I'm still playing I want to I want to be an ally for our community in order to to help them and to you know give to give kids an opportunity to to branch out and provide opportunities for them so you know I think it's important that myself as as a professional footballer to to help out and give back because I know that there's only like, a handful of Indigenous females in the W League at the moment. So, you know, I'm in a very small a small group of that. So I think it's important that, you know, we all take the initiative and, and try and do our best to help our community out when we can. I like I like throwing these ones at people in, you know, if you could look back in 20 years' time and look at the work that you've done, um, what would you like to have seen uh, that's changed or improved drastically in that period? Oh, good question. Um, I think for me it would be, you know, seeing how um, the rate of Indigenous kids go through school become higher and kids coming through school and graduating than, you know, having to maybe go into uni. But for me I think it's, you know, seeing the improvement of our kids going through school and attending school and just being present and getting a proper education rather than turning their back on that and and not really following that path. Start first and foremost, Ryan Tongi, for those that don't know. I am South Sudanese. I was born in Ethiopia in a refugee camp. I arrived in Australia in 2003 with my family, a very young age, I was 6, 10, 7 at the time. Like with uh, many people that have come to a different country, it's it's never easy, you know, trying to settle in, feeling like an outsider coming in. Um, just everything, just you know, you feel like you're not, you don't belong. With with the experiences that I've had, you know, as a young kid, you know, experiencing racism, uh, being left out, not felt like I was welcome. Um, it wasn't easy, but lucky for football, um, I met a lot of good people. It's directed me the right path because um, there's so many people that that I have seen in my position, but um, they've been gone to the wrong path their situations you know that they have been in is no different to what the, to what i've been in so um i'm very fortunate and very lucky with that um so i've got a mother and father uh, i've got three younger sisters and i've got a brother just uh after me my my mom bought down my three cousins as well so they the three cousins are all from three different families so for them um to come to australia without their parents as well wasn't easy for them, but um, it's great to have the family all together. So it's 
so yeah, I think um, in in, in um, the position that I am in, you know, um, I'm looked up to, and um, you know, I just want to be able to set a good example for them. Rowan Tongi came to Australia with hopes and dreams, but was made to feel like an outsider. Football was the anchor, his guiding light. It's such a powerful antidote, and this is epitomised in Rowan's case. But for people to better understand racism, what it feels like to be on the outer, take a moment to let Rowan's words seep in. I found it pretty disappointing, you know, um, coming from a, you know, a war-torn country, and coming to Australia, where you know a lot of a lot of the kids, majority of the kids that, uh, that I grew up around were pretty privileged with the um, the life that they're living. You know, it wasn't easy for us. My family, obviously, we came down not speaking a single word of English. We had to um, set, try to settle in and, you know, try, try to um, adapt with the society. But it wasn't easy because um, being, being that young, you don't really understand um, the certain things that people say to you. The main, the main thing for me is, is that there's not only just people with my skin colour, but other, other, other refugees that have come from other countries like, you know, like the Middle Eastern. So I've, 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 I had a lot of... Um, a lot of Afghan friends, and for them, it wasn't easy as well, even though they had a white skin, you know what I mean? For the people that were around me and also my siblings as well, I didn't I didn't want that to happen to them, experience what I've experienced at a young age. I think, you know, just people don't understand where someone else, you know, has come from. So, you know, you'd have to kind of walk in someone else's shoe before you could, uh, you could judge them based on who they are and where they're from. And football, like it was for Tom Deng, became Ruin's outlet to express himself and find that sense of belonging. I remember uh, being in, um, at the time it was primary school, so I went to an English, um, English school, didn't you know, speak a single word, but at you know, uh, recess and lunch, you just see kids playing around and not know a single word of, uh, of English and just football brought a lot of, a lot of the kids together. Um, you, just, you just form friendships from that instant moment of just playing and loving the game. I think even throughout from my young age until right now, I think um, I've, I've met a lot of incredible people um, from different backgrounds that have um, shown me the pathway uh, that they've been through. So I have a better understanding from their point of view and they understand where I come from and how I am as a person. So I think, yeah, absolutely, football plays a big part in that. For the Central Coast Mariner, the global movement of Black Lives Matter and its significant rise in recent times has been a long time coming. In other words, it's well overdue that society started to show more collective compassion. With, with, with the whole situation, I think as humans, we shouldn't turn a blind eye to the situation. I think, you know, um, there's a lot of people that have want, wanted this to happen for a very long time. And the fact that we're all speaking on it and, you know, you hear about it, but you don't see much change. The main thing is we want to see change and we want, to, we want people to understand exactly how we feel and how people are being treated over there, not necessarily just America, but all around the world as well. So um, I think with the, with the whole situation, I think people just, just need to accept and, and, and understand and say, okay, I may not have experienced it, but you know what? I'm willing to uh, stand with you no matter, no matter what. So um, I, think, I think it's just, it's just you know, leaving not just not, not your ego, but like just leaving, just, just, just show, show a warm heart to, to other people uh, the struggles that they've been through. Football has taken many steps, but we need to stay committed to challenging ourselves to learn more, to keep listening to minority voices, whether Indigenous, Black and refugee, 
and helping shape a PFA game and a world in which we are all equal. These parting words from Ruin symbolise how we've still got a long road ahead. Outside of football, you know, things are completely different. You're looked at differently um, every time you walk to the shop and, you, you know, you're in the store. People are looking at, around, looking at you, um, staring at you, even especially being in public or even being in a small group. You're, you're always um, as identified as a gang, you know what I mean? I think, especially with football and the, um, the volume that it speaks, I think that... As people, all the position that we're in, we're willing to um, to make our voices heard to the people out there. And I think with this topic or situation, I think it's a great way or a great platform to um, for people to understand and listen from others' point of view. Big thanks to the contributors of this episode, Tom Deng, Alira Toby, and Ruan Tongik. Footballer's Voice is a partnership between Podula and the PFA. This podcast was produced and supported by Adrian Horton, Rob Crawford, Nicholas Sacco, Julius Ross, and Tony Pasolia.